the Koopalethus Podcast. Welcome to the Koopalethus Podcast. I am Nick Koopalethus, your host, and I am so privileged to be walking with you. And I really do mean that. I know I say that probably almost every episode, but I do feel a, such a privilege and an excitement to be with you in your life, walking together. This is episode number 11, one question that could change your entire life. Now, more of that in a few moments, but I just want to say I'm excited about episode 11 and really March's intro music every month. And I'm just prepping you, just warning you. Every month I'm going to change that music. And I know that a podcast, probably most of the podcasts out there, they begin with the same music so you know it's the same show. The only thing that I'm ever really going to begin with that's the same is the Koopalithas podcast. Other than that, every month it's going to be something different. Maybe that's me. I just can't do the same thing over and over and over again, even though I listen to music that way. Like if I find a good album or good song, I'll listen to it for like 400 times in a row. And uh, if somebody's around, they'll want to kill me because they're like, can you stop listening to that music? It's going to kill me. Um, But other than that, I I do. I need variety. I need change. I I do need all of that. And so that's why uh, I'm going to enjoy this month's really just kind of rocking out March Madness, the maybe the Ides of March. I don't know what it is. It's just in in the air today. Um, So that gives you a heads up. But I'm excited about this show. And before I get into it, I want to give you kind of a, maybe like a disclaimer or fine print, and, and this is what it is. It's that we have to meditate and think about things. You, you can't just hear something and let it go in one ear and out the other. You have to be able to chew on something. So I'm hoping that over the course of being together over this year, because that's the goal, it's at least one year of podcasts, that... We are a thinking bunch. We're a meditating bunch, meaning we hear something, we meditate on it. Like the Hebrew word for meditating actually means to kind of like murmur. It's You hear it, you're thinking it over, you're saying it to yourself. And so I would just say, especially with this show today, and right after the break, what what I'm going to get into, it's going to need you to think on it. It's going to need you to block maybe 10, 15 minutes of time and just apply the truth that's going on today. Um, And so let me encourage you, think about it. Press in on it. I promise you, if you would take this show seriously, at the very very worst, you'll improve your life and improve your relationships. At the very best, it's going to change the course of your entire life. And it's something that is, is really kind of in my soul and in my kind of just just really in me right now that I'm chewing on. So right after the break, we're going to jump into this. All right, this question I'm about to ask you has come out of really sermon preparation. I preached this yesterday in regards to a certain sermon topic, but I'm going to kind of make it a little bit different for this episode and for this show because this is... As I was in my preparation time with the Lord for my sermon, this question that was posed to my heart didn't just apply to the topic I was preaching on. It seemed to apply to my entire life. And I realized that this was such a fantastic question for really isolating 
myself, like really just focusing in on who I am, not who everybody else is. The question I asked the church was this, if revival was solely dependent on your life, would you see revival? It was something like that. But this is how I want to ask the question for our purposes. If the success of this blank, we can fill in that blank, depended solely on me, would it be enough? If the success of this relationship depended solely on me, would it be enough? Let's ask it in a few different ways. If the success of this work project depended solely on me, would it be enough? And whatever's in that blank, we use relationship, work project, whatever it is, if it was solely dependent on you, would that be enough? Now, let me say this, because you're saying now, well, that doesn't make sense because a relationship at least takes two, work project takes a team. I understand all of that, but for this exercise, for our purposes, let's just cut out everybody else's responsibility, and let's just say, as you are working that relationship or that work project or whatever that is that you want to apply it to. Let's just say it was completely up to you. And these are the things that we know, right? You, you can't control others. You can't control outcomes, but you can take responsibility for yourself. So this is a question that is going to really expose who you are. This is a question that's really going to isolate your strengths and your weaknesses. So when I ask the church, if, if revival was solely dependent on your life, would you see revival? It doesn't just take, I mean, it could just take one inspiring others, but there's a, lot, there's a lot that it takes to see a move of God and to facilitate a move of God. But let me say this, to you, there's a lot that it takes to put into a relationship there's a lot that takes into put into to friendships, to marriage, to whatever that looks like, to your work. There's a lot that goes into that. And there's a lot of things that are outside of your control. I understand that. But there are a lot of things that are inside your control in terms of who you are. Let me give you four areas that are definitely inside your control. One, identity. Two, your attitude. Three, vulnerability. And four, contribution. These are inside of your control. And we get these mixed up a lot of times because we do a lot of blame shifting in our life. We, we try to focus on somebody else, but we need to be able to focus on ourselves. And you know, I, I guess this has been part of the theme of this podcast overall is, is focusing on yourself and getting your stuff together. And I think that's really important because, listen, I love Jesus. I love, I love the church. I think that we can, um, we can promote Christianity, and we have a lot of unhealthy people going out trying to do a lot of great things for the kingdom. I think God's heart and God's intent is that there are healthy people, healthy mentalities, healthy bodies, healthy emotions, changing the world. That's what I believe. I believe in in Christianity, we should be the healthiest people. But these four areas are really important, right? So identity says, I know who I am. That's what identity is. I know who I am. I know how I'm designed. I I know what my purpose is. I know who I am. I know who God has called me to be. Number two is attitude. I know how to act. I know how to respond. I have control over my emotions. I have control over my choices. 
I have control over my life. My attitude, I have control over these things. So my identity, I know who I am. My attitude, I know how to act. Number three, vulnerability, I know what to share. Vulnerability is so important in every relationship. It is a sliding scale, definitely. The most vulnerable, vulnerable person that you will be close with is the person that you are married to. And it's a sliding scale that goes out from there. And, but you know what? Even if you're the leader of a company, vulnerability is, is very important. Very important. So vulnerability says, I know what to share. And then ultimately, contribution. These, these four things. I know what to give. This question, if the success of this company, if the success of this relationship, this friendship, this marriage, this work project depended solely on me, would it be enough? Meaning, is my identity, do I know who I am? Is my attitude, do I know how to act? Vulnerability, do I know what to share? Contribution, do I know what to give and invest? Are those things healthy? Are those things in a good place? And this really comes down to exposing who we are. And so when there's things in our life that aren't right, when there's things in our life that are off, guess what? The answer to this question is going to hurt a little bit. It is way too easy to mask our brokenness, to mask our laziness, to mask our own trauma in blame-shifting others. Blame shifting. You got to remember, right? That's that's the first. That's really the first. Well, one of the first sins of mankind. Adam and Eve don't eat the fruit. Eve eats the fruit. Gives it to his. Gives it to her husband. He eats the fruit. And then when God shows up on this te- uh, on the scene, goes, "Hey, what happened here, Adam? What's Adam do? Blame shifts. It's the wife's fault. Okay, Eve, what's the deal?" It's the serpent's fault, right? So that, the blame shift, that's in our DNA as a human to blame shift. It's not in our DNA as a Christian because our DNA says we take responsibility for our own life. Now, again, I'm saying you could be in a company with, with horrible bosses, horrible oversight. Like, I mean, the company's, you know, there's no revenue in the company. It's, it's just a terrible place to work, terrible atmosphere, terrible culture. I get all that. But again, this question that you ask yourself, if the success of this even jacked up company depended solely on me, would it be enough? Would it be healthy? And just because you are in an atmosphere, a company, a relationship that has friction, has trouble, maybe there's some pain. It doesn't have to dictate your response. It doesn't have to dictate who you are. It doesn't have to dictate your identity. It doesn't have to dictate your attitude. It might dictate your vulnerability, definitely, because you have because these things are not all necessarily synchronized with each other. Because your identity and your attitude, listen, your identity, most important thing, knowing who you are, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing who God has made you to be, so important. And this is why identity 
is under attack. And I would say everybody within the sound of my voice, there's been some time in your life where your identity has been under attack. We see this in our culture today. It's crazy to think that that politicians are fighting that out like a five-year-old can transition themselves. It's absolutely crazy. But what is that against? It's against identity. It's against the gift, the image of God that's in humanity. And if, and if the enemy can screw up identity from an early age, guess what? That person is then in bondage to that doesn't mean that God can't rescue that person, but I would say everyone in the sound of my voice, there's been a certain time in your life where your identity has been under attack. I mean, listen, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. I know my identity is not found in myself. So even when we're talking about this, it's not so center focused that it's like, Jesus is not a part of this. I am who I am because of what Christ has done for me. I can be whole and complete because of what Christ has done for me. Again, this is not humanistic. This is, this is not going, man is more important than God. It's just saying that God has created us to be a royal priesthood. We're set apart. God calls us his own possession. I'm getting preachy. I know I'm getting preachy. But I'm just saying that's our identity. And this is why many of you in your life, you, including me, but you, you've been under attack in your identity. And you know, you're a royal priesthood, meaning you're, when you come into faith in Jesus Christ, you're set apart. And this is why your thought process, especially before you were saved and then even after you were saved, your thought process, your thinking, what you meditate on has come after, uh, the enemy has come after that. Because what you think in your heart, what you think in your mind, that's who you are. This is why the enemy tries to screw up the way that you're thinking. How about the things that you've done and act? The enemy, if he can't get into necessarily certain parts of your life, he'll try to get you to act stupid. All of us have acted stupid at times. What's he trying to do? The enemy is trying to define you in such a way that your identity is perverted, broken. You get shut down. You turn off these places where God says, let it be alive, and you, tur- you, you shut them off. And so I just, I want to say out of all of these identity, attitude, vulnerability, and contribution, say that 20 times fast, identity is the most important thing because identity will dictate my attitude, it will dictate my vulnerability, and it will dictate my contribution. Now that's important because let's go back to that question. If the success of this relationship depended solely on me, would it be enough? How about this? If the success of this marriage depended solely on me, would it be enough? If the success of this team depended solely on me, would it be enough? And what happens is, is that it reveals something in me that, you know what, my attitude's not right. Maybe something's off in my identity. Maybe I'm not acting like who I'm supposed to be acting like. Maybe I'm 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 not acting in concordance with the design of who I am. My attitude, maybe my contribution, I, like knowing what, you know, like being generous, maybe the reason that I'm holding back and, and not being vulnerable is not because I'm in a bad situation, but because maybe there's been an attack on my identity. So if I'm really, if I'm really honest with myself, and I feel like, here, ready? Here's vulnerability and what I'm going to contribute right now to you. There has been years in my marriage where I did not understand vulnerability, contribution, and attitude because my identity was jacked. I think I'm going to go there, and this is, this is, 
I hold myself responsible. I don't hold my past responsible. But the way that I grew up, I didn't necessarily coming out of being a young man, the way that I grew up, I didn't understand who I was or even how to correctly treat a woman or how to correctly cherish and honor my wife. You say, why are you saying that? Is this some big confession? No, this is the process that I've been in. I remember raising my voice early in our marriage. I remember being um, just a jerk sometimes in the things I said. Well, why? One, I didn't understand my identity, and I didn't cherish my wife's identity. I didn't cherish who she was. And so if I, there was a time in my life I said, if the success of my marriage depended solely on me, guess what? It wouldn't have been enough. Thank God for a godly woman. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for his grace, and thank God for his mercy. I have to be able to cut off the excuses and say, hey, you know what? Let me change this. Let me model what it is. This should be a question that really isolates ourselves. If you're a person that can't see yourself, that your, your stuff don't stink, you'll never, you'll, you'll never answer this correctly. If you're not willing to be vulnerable with yourself, you're never going to be vulnerable with somebody else. Man, I, I just, I mean, I feel a little bit jacked up right now. Like, oh, Lord, like, help me be the, the man of God that you've created me to be so when I contribute, when, I, when I'm vulnerable, when I, when, I, when I get into a situation where my attitude's not, you know what, I can self-correct. And, and, and yes, we can use Christianese. The Holy Spirit helps us self-correct. I get that. I do get that. But you still have a will. You still... We blame too much on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here right now to be able to help me make the right choice. I'll tell you what, there's been times in my life where my emotions made the choice. People pleasing's made the choice. Do you know why? Because I didn't know what my identity was. Man, if we know who we are, if we know what God's created us to be, guess what? We can serve. We can love. We can do the dirty jobs. There's something, man, I love Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And I, there's this incredible verse. It's so, it, it's so mind-boggling. It's so powerful. It's so profound. Do we need another adjective there? Wait, let me find it. I'll be right back. All right, see, I came right, I, I just paused and I came right back. All right, John 13. I want you to hear this because this, listen, you're listening to this, you're not a Christian. This still can be applied to you. And I hope you do become a Christian. I love Jesus. He changed my life. I'm not hiding that on this podcast whatsoever. But listen to this. Jesus, John 13, verse three. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, and was going back to God, rose from supper, 
and he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and then basically began to wash his disciples' feet. He could wash his disciples' feet, because why? He knew who he was. He knew, what, he knew what the Father God had done for him. He knew where he had come from, and he knew where he was going. Most of us don't have a great relationship with Father God. You can. He wants to. Many of us don't know really where we've been and where we're going. We don't have direction. We don't. And so it becomes really hard for us to grab hold of our identity because we don't know these things. But when we do grab hold of our identity, just like Jesus did, what did Jesus do? He knew who he was. Did he go sit on the throne? No. Did he, did he, did he tell everybody and, and demand all armies to worship him? Well, no. Are we all going to worship him? Yes. But what did he do? He was not afraid to get down and serve. He was not afraid to look weak. He was not afraid to be able to wash his disciples' feet, which in that culture, he was resembling or stepping into the role of the lowest servant in the house. The one with the least position was the one that would wash travelers' feet, the dirt off the feet. And that's what Jesus showed us. Why? Because he knew who he was. He had his identity. He knew, and listen, when we understand our God-given identity, when we walk in that, it's going to impact our attitude, our vulnerability, what we share, what we contribute. And so when we ask this question, if the success of this blank depended solely on me, would it be enough? It really is going to reveal a lot of things about us. But when it does reveal a lot of things, guess what? you have this awesome opportunity to be able to then work at it and change it and get the help that you need, whether, whether it's a coach or a counselor or whether it's just listening to podcasts or reading a book. You know, it's like you can get better with God's help. If the success of this blank depended solely on me, would it be enough? If I'm getting involved with something or, or, or like with a company, with a project, I want to be able to bring to that success. Meaning if, if, if I'm interjecting myself into something, I don't want the result of that to be like, well, Nick's poor attitude. Nick's, Nick doesn't know who he is, so he's, he's just, he's all over the place. And you know what? I don't want to be the reason why something fails. I don't want to be the reason why my marriage fails. It's not going to fail. I don't want to be the reason why my, uh, my kids fail in life because their dad was a knucklehead. I want to figure it out. And I would, I would just say, it, and maybe this is a defense thing, but I'm going to say it. It's not about being perfect. It's about being humble. It's about being transparent If the success of this blank depended solely on you, would it be enough? Powerful question. It's one question that could change your entire life. I dare you to ask it. Thank you so much for listening to the Kupalithis podcast. Please consider supporting us by a donation at thecoopalethispodcast.com. It is a tax-deductible donation. If you would like to write into the show, you can write me at coopalethis at gmail.com. Yes, you got to figure out how to spell that, but share, subscribe. See you next time. Just show up.